Yeah. 
song says in one part, it says, do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? Look at your neighbor and say, do you know what I know? Anything is possible. I want to say welcome to Dothan First. You can go ahead and grab your seat. And we want to give a special thanks to our first time guests this morning. Can y'all give it up for our first time guests? We're so glad that they're in the house. Even if you're watching online, we just want to say welcome. And uh, if you'll see right now on the screen, you can text D1TEXT to 84576, or you can scan the QR code, or you can grab the Connect card from the pew in front of you. And what we want you to do is to fill that out with as much information as you don't mind us having, because we want to connect with you. We want to follow up with you. And if you hold on to that card app until after service, you can drop it in one of our giving boxes. But we ask that if you're a first-time guest especially, or maybe you've been coming for a while and you haven't gotten a chance to meet any of our leadership uh, we have our guest reception in in, uh, in the lobby it's the it's to your left as you exit somebody say guest reception as you leave today please our pastors and some of our leadership team would love to meet you shake your hand exchange that connect card for a gift because we just want to welcome you here can we give it up for our first time guests again we're so glad that you're here and somebody say tonight Tonight, we have a young adult service. You do not want to miss it if you're a young adult. Between the ages of 18 to 35, I'm glad I made it. I'll be 33 in April, but I'm still there. So again, we want you to come and listen. Now's the time right now for you to take out your smart device, scan that QR code, and it's going to send you a link. But go ahead, if you do that right now, even for those of you in the room that don't fit that age group, go ahead and send that to a young adult in faith, believing that they're going to come tonight. And I don't want them to come just because we, we, we feel like, oh, this is another thing that somebody has to come to. We're believing that tonight lives are going to be changed. So please, 18 to 35. And if you say, well, Pastor Will, I have kids. Well, we have the most affordable child care with the best children's ministry workers. So please don't let that be a reason why you don't come. So hopefully you scan that QR code, text as many people as you know, and tonight's going to be a good night. We want you to come. Also, we want to go, go ahead and get you registered as well so we know uh, how much food we need to have uh, because we'll do some snacks and things like that. So that's tonight, starting at 5 p.m. right here in the sanctuary. Also, Easter weekend. Somebody say Easter weekend. I love that first song. We're talking about resurrection, and I'm so glad that resurrection isn't an event. It's a person. It's Jesus, and he came to bring us back to life, and we're going to celebrate people being resurrected to life that weekend and today, but uh, just to let you know what's going on on April the 8th, that's a Saturday. It's our Easter egg hunt starting at 10 a.m. in the Family Life Center. This will be a great time for you to invite your neighbors, your coworkers, those with small children. We're going to have everything that you need to have a great time, but also you'll get a chance to hear the gospel, uh, a gospel presentation so please April the 8th 10 a.m. Uh, please be here for that and on April 9th is our Sunday Easter services one at 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. That means you have twice the opportunities to invite somebody to church. Uh, we would encourage you to do that. Uh, Pastor Mark's going to be preaching a message of hope and life change and ultimately presenting the gospel message. So please bring somebody with you that Easter weekend. Don't just invite them. Literally, if they got, you got to go next door at 7 a.m. to wake them up early to make sure they're ready. Please bring them. It's going to be a great time. But then also when you came in, you see this card that I'm holding. It's our prayer for the lost card. We've done this before. But we believe this is a strategic time for you to not only write down names and pray for family members or those who are lost, but and, and in faith praying for them to come to know Jesus, but also use that use this as an invite card to say to them some of these names that are on this uh, that are on your list. You need to just reach out in faith. 
I get it. We don't just need to invite people to church. We need to invite them to Jesus. But I believe God wants to use us during this season to change the Dothan and Wiregrass area. And I'm excited for that. And speaking of life change, as I said, we're going to celebrate some uh, people being raised to life. So this morning, if you could turn your attention to our baptismal tank. And well, good morning, everyone. I want you guys to join me as we celebrate Mia Morris this morning. Amen. Can you guys give her a big hand? Amen. Now, Mia is an amazing young lady. She loves the Lord very much. And it's amazing the things that God can do at such an early age. And we just know that God has uh, his hand on her. And there's many, many great things yet to come. And we're just so, I'm so blessed to hang out with you in this tank, <laughs> in this pool of water today, Mia, as you make your commitment in front of everyone to follow Jesus forever and ever. So here come those two questions we talked about. You ready? <laughs> All right. So Mia, do you love Jesus? Does he live in your heart? Yes. Good. Good. And do you want to serve him all of your days? Yes. Amen. Amen. Well, then, it's my pleasure. Go ahead and put your thing. Yep. You got it. Right here. You got it. It's my honor to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and His Spirit. Amen. <laughs> Let's give it up for it. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for Mia. And the Morris family are so excited for the decision that she made. And I believe she's not the only one today that's going to be raised back to life. Amen. So uh, now is our time where we get to give. How many are glad that God has blessed you? Come on, let's give God some praise if he's blessed you this morning. He's so good. I'm going to go ahead and ask our elders, your elders, to go ahead and go to their various stations of prayer. As you see on the screen, there are five ways to give. They can, well, our elders are moving, but they're also, they'll put that back up. But uh, you'll see the five ways to give. And so with that being said, we want you to know that we believe that God, we believe God's word and God's word says he loves a cheerful giver. That doesn't mean he only loves people who give. It means he loves people who give like he gives. And so as our elders are making their, their way to their various stations of prayer on the exit sign on my left, your right, and on this side as well and up in the balcony, during this time of extended worship that we're getting ready to go back into, I'm going to go ahead and ask you if you'll stand. And so say you're here and you say, Pastor Will, I know we're, this is a moment of worship and I'm giving an offering, but maybe you're in this moment and you say, Pastor Will, I need, to, I need to physically come out of my seat and make my way to an elder as well and offer my life as a sacrifice because I need a healing. I need a healing touch. I need Jesus to do something in my life right now. So we're going to pray for those things collectively. And as soon as I start praying, you can go ahead and make your way out of your seat. The worship team is going to take us back into a time of worship. But I, I just ask, the reason I ask you to stand but right before I pray is if you'll go ahead and put your hands out beside you as a sign of surrender. As you're saying, God, I'm giving up everything. I'm giving up who I am. I'm giving up my preferences. I don't care about anybody watching or looking around. I'm not just asking God to touch my finances. I'm asking him to touch my life. I'm asking him to do something special in me and with hands out beside you as we pray over this offering and for those who need a special touch, we're going to believe in faith that God is going to get ready to do miracles in this house. Father, thank you for these people, your people. Father, we worship you in this moment. We not only give of our time, our talent, and our treasure, right now we're giving you ourselves. So as people make their way to get a touch from an elder, uh, elder to be anointed with oil uh, and a, believing for a prayer of faith, Father, we're believing that you're not only going to bless finances, you're going to touch lives. And everybody that believes that said real loud, amen. Come on, let's worship God together.
on that bridge, it says, let us become more aware of your presence. And one of the things that I remembered very vividly was when I was a kid and I was, uh, I'd come home from school and I was 16, so I was driving at the time and uh, there was no cars in the, uh, in our, at our house. And so I presumed that I was all by myself. So I kicked back and I was watching TV and uh, really not paying attention to anything. And all of a sudden, my dad walked out from the den, which was right down by where the TV was. And he had been studying there. And uh, I, I guess my mom had brought him back from, from the church or something like that. And so the car was at the church. And I had no idea he was there. And have you ever had that moment where you're just so freaked out? You're like, <laughs> you know, you just couldn't believe that. And, and it, it, it was like, oh my goodness, I had no idea you were there. Let me tell you something. Not too different from that is how we often feel when we go through difficult situations. We often feel like, man, we are all by ourselves. Nobody's ever experienced this before. Nobody's ever gone through anything like I'm going through. And it's real easy to throw yourself a pity party in the middle of the valley and go, you know what? I'm about ready to give up because nobody knows how I feel. I'm going to understand, just like my father was right beside me and I didn't realize it, I didn't recognize it because I was oblivious, I wasn't paying attention, I wasn't listening carefully enough, so too we often miss the presence of God when He shows up in the house. Friends, don't miss the fact that God's beside you. God's, he, is, he is waiting for you to acknowledge His presence in the room. He's just waiting for you to say, hey, I'm here. I'm waiting on you. Child, I've got you. You're not alone. And friend, I want you to know today you're not alone. No matter what you're walking through, not only is God's presence here to meet you at your point of need, but I want you to also know you got people in this room that are around you, supporting you. I know it can feel lonely even in a crowded room, but I want you to know there's people right here in this room that have your back, that love you, that are praying for you, that would gladly pray for you if, if only they knew what you were walking through. So we need to be reminded that we are the body of Christ, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we're here for one another. So you need to know you're not alone. I just want to remind you, friend, you're not alone. So here's what I'd like for you to do. Turn to your neighbor beside you around and just remind them you're not alone, just so that they know you're not alone. And then you can go ahead and be seated. Come on, you're not alone. You are not alone. Amen. Oh, it's a good day. It's a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so thankful to God that you are here. And I wanna take a moment and give it up uh, once again for all those that are here for the very first time, those joining with us for the first time. What an honor it is to be able to host you today. And we wanna make you feel right at home here in the house of God here at Dothan First. So glad you're here. We'd be honored to meet you right after this service. It would be our great joy. And um, as Pastor Will said, a reminder that out these doors and just before you walk out the, the, the doors uh, to, to exit out of the building, just to the left, you'll see a sign at the end of the service that says guest reception. Little room prepared just for you with some of our leadership team. And we just want to greet you and connect with you today and give you a gift for hanging out with us. So thanks for being here. So honored that you're here. Well, listen, this is a, a special time. 
because we're going back into this series in belief for it, specifically about parenting. And I know that so many of us, the, the most valued and prized possession we have is our kids. And for those of you grandparents, for our grandkids. And so I want you to simply turn your attention toward the screen as we go back into this series called Belief For. We're going to talk about being honorable parents. Go ahead and take a look. A holy stewardship, a precious opportunity, a divine calling, a parent. Parenting isn't just about babysitting and potty training. It's not just about teaching them to ride a bike or tie a shoe. It isn't just about making lunches and brushing teeth. Parenting is about changing the world. It's about reminding our kids who they really are, children of God, born for his glory. So parents, let's remember that the most important meetings of your day aren't in a conference room or on a stage, but at the dinner table and at the bedside. Let's remember that there's no quality time without quantity time. That the most valuable thing is not what you leave for them, but what you leave in them. That every time they fall down, you have the responsibility and the privilege of lifting them back up. Remember that your kids don't need you to be popular, productive, and certainly not perfect. They need you to be present. And remember, that every time you wipe away the tear on their cheek, you're giving them a glimpse of the day when God himself will wipe away every tear forever. The Bible tells us to train up a child in the way they should go, and even when they're old, they will not depart from it. So show them the way, pray for their soul, and give them your best, because God gave you to them. I just want to take a moment and give it up for all those that are joining with us for the first time online today as well. Can you give it up for all those in the house that are first time guests and those watching online? Welcome. We are so glad that you're here. We always want to welcome our online campus, but I want to remind you that if you're in the Dothan area, we'd be so honored to greet you and connect with you, have you come out to the church here, and Easter Sunday would be a great day to do that. What a, what a joy and an honor. Uh, it's amazing to me, and I just have to stop and say this, to those of you who were here in 2018, 2018, we launched a campaign to release an online campus. And for those that were uh, a little older in the house who didn't have Facebook or Instagram or social media, or you weren't big into going online to watch things online, uh, you supported that decision to make a major investment financially to get this place up to speed as far as having all the technology necessary to go online. And, and just, just to understand, because of that, in 2018, and so many of you sacrificially sowed a financial seed so that we could have all of that equipment, 
And, and I just want to say thank you to you because none of us realized what was coming uh, in 2019 and especially in 2020 where all of us would be online and we would have never been able to go online as significantly as we, we uh, were able to because we had all the equipment, all of those things. It was because of your generosity in sowing a seed. And now, uh, I, I want to say it was a little over $600,000 that it was going to take to get all the upgrades, all the equipment, everything that we did to get things prepared. And you sowing that seed, but I want to let you know, we're getting close to under $100,000 left on that deficit, that debt. And I want to say thank you to each and every one of you. How many understand? I am so glad that we get to partner with people who not only are generous but have vision to see the future and if you saw that video we watched last week about the things that God's doing we have over 750 people that watch online that means we have more on our online campus now that are attending each week than even those in the building can you just thank God for the extension the outreach thank God for it man and I want to encourage those of you who have a heart to help us complete that project and finish it off totally so that we can continue to put money into the fields, sowing into the harvest fields. Thank you in advance for helping us do that. We want to retire that debt and it's not going to be too long. We're going to be able to knock that thing out. Well, listen, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. Say this with me. Say, I am what God's Word says I am. I can do what God's Word said I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now I just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look so good today. I'm glad I get to sit next to somebody as good looking as you. I'm telling you. Now, if it's not your spouse, uh, you might want to retract that. <clears throat> Or pick the person that you did not choose the first time around. Let them know they look good too. Oh man, we're in this series on parenting. How many, uh, how many parents do we have in the house? Put up your hands, put up your hands. How many of you are uh, grandparents? Put up your hands. All right, how many of you uh, are, how many of you had parents? How many of you had parents? How many of you wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I asked? All right. <laughs> Going back into this series, we're all about helping parents. And we're in this series called Believe For It. And, and in this specifically, we're, we're talking about honorable parents. Becoming honorable parents. How many understand there's no such thing as a perfect parent, right? There's only one perfect parent. It was God the Father, right? And only Jesus Christ, his son, lived a perfect and sinless life. That means that all of us are marred by sin. We, we've got issues. We've got problems. We've got uh, things that we have to deal with. So that means we were, we're not only not going to be perfect parents, but we weren't raised by perfect parents. And they weren't raised by perfect parents. How many of you know grandpa and grandma and great-grandpa and great-grandma and great-great-grandma and great-great-grandpa all had this sin nature inside of them just like we do today? And so each one of us are doing our very best to try to become the best parents that we can be or the best grandparents we can be, the best influencers to reach the next generation with the love of God. I would say being a parent is kind of like playing golf. Now, I don't know how many of you know about golf or if you play golf, 
But I can just tell you, uh, golf is, it can be a very expensive sport. First of all, you have to get the equipment. You got to learn how to play the game. So you often would go to a driving range or somewhere where you can learn the techniques, right? And so too it is with parenting. We we try our best when we find out we're pregnant. Hopefully you read a few books or study up or try to become the best parent you can be before you're a parent, right? And some of us, it was a little bit of a shocker. It was a little bit of a surprise. Like, oh, we're pregnant. Like some of us are like, yay, we're pregnant. And others are like, oh, we're pregnant. But you try to get prepared. That nine-month gestational period really does help to get you prepared. And I remember my wife and I reading that book, What to Expect When You're Expecting. And then the book, uh, What to Expect After, something like that, in the toddler years. Yeah. And, and so, so it is with golf. You're, you're practicing and, and, and you're, you're, you're getting the expensive equipment just like you do when you're a new parent. You buy the crib and you get the diapers and you get all this stuff in advance of the actual moment. Then you finally get to the course as a golfer and right, you have to pay the fee just like you do pay the doctor fee when you get to the hospital and and now, now you're standing on the first tee box and there's a little bit of anxiety, right? You got other golfers maybe watching you. You got uh, a few of your friends. Well, you call them friends, but they're going to make fun of you if you hit it into the water the first shot. And so, so you're standing there maybe just a little bit nervous and you've got the equipment and you've gotten prepared and you've gone to the driving range, but now it's the real deal. There's no more practice involved here. This shot counts. And how many understand you can have the most expensive equipment? You can check the wind and make sure that you adjust for the wind. You can know how to swing that club just right. And you may have hit, like me, so many times at the driving range, just straight as an arrow. And then you stand up there and you swing that club and you do it just just like you thought you should. And man, it goes off one way or the other way. But how many understand, even if the trajectory is off just a little bit, at least it's heading toward the final destination. It's heading toward the goal. Friends, you can have all of the parenting tools, so to speak. You could pay to go to seminars on parenting and read books on parenting and spend extra money on parenting systems. You can spend money on your kids and all these things. And it's like you think you've got everything just right. And all of a sudden, it's like that kid just. (laughs) And here they are in the woods. And and they need your help. And matter of fact, not only do they need help, but you need help too. Because you don't know how to do this thing. It's not like you're a perfect parent, like you know everything. And how many understand? Every child is different. I mean, yes, we as humans are all the same in the sense that God loves us and we're his children and he cares about us and we have genetic DNA that's very similar. But I'm going to understand every one of us is unique. God put fingerprints on our fingertips uniquely for a reason. He designed us unique. So that means every parent of every child has got to have some uniqueness about their parenting. I talked to a, a, a golf instructor that was a golf fitter. They fit you for clubs that are supposed to be right for you. 
And the fitter said this, that oftentimes when they're doing a club fitting, the person that's at that driving range or wherever they do it, is they try to change their swing when they're at the fitter. They're like, I'm doing this wrong. And then they overcorrect and they do all these other things to try to make up for it. And the fitter said to me, he said, no, 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 you don't change your swing. We're trying to fit you for where you're at right now. And let me tell you something, I'm trying as a fitter to fit you right now as a parent or as a grandparent to help you where you're at. And matter of fact, I almost changed the title of this message from honoring, uh, being an honorable parent to uh, parenting. And don't steal it because I'm, if Lord have mercy, I might, like I said, I might write a book. <laughs> but let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I can just tell you out of all the tools in the tool belt that we tried to get as parents to be the best parents we could be. Let me tell you what made the most difference out of everything we did and everything we tried was absolutely, positively, hands down, prayer. Praying for our kids and praying that God would give us the wisdom to know how to parent them effectively. Lord, help me to know how to help my child. Lord, give me supernatural wisdom for the uniqueness of this child's destiny, for their divine assignment. Lord, help me to pull out the best in them. Lord, help me to release them to their destiny. So, so as a parent, the most important thing we can do is begin to pray, which is what I do on that first tee box. Lord, help me to hit this straight. Lord, help us to send our child in the right trajectory. Are you following this? Three of you. That's good. Okay, we're, we're on a good. As I said, we've got these faults and these flaws and these inconsistencies as parents, and we do our very best and the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And let me just, for just a quick moment, address those of you who did not grow up with honorable parents. This is a really significant thing. Some of you are being affected in your adulthood by your childhood. And well, all of us are, by the way, to some degree. And, and often, listen, I, I don't want to overlook your pain, but let me just say this. Often it is not necessarily what happens to us but how we respond to what happens to us. Because we can spend the rest of our lives holding on to things that now disrupt our current relationships because of our past pain and miss the opportunity for the Lord to give us healing through forgiveness. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that in just a moment. Because I don't want you to, to find yourself in a place where your parenting process is so marred by your parents and what you grew up with. I talked to men in particular, but I know there's ladies out there too that did not have very good parents, specifically in the men. I've talked to them and they haven't had really good father images, very good role models. And they're nervous. All of a sudden they, they're married and their wife is pregnant and they are nervous. They are so afraid that they're going to mess everything up. Let me understand. Let me teach you something. You can learn by what to do, right? That's called modeling. You learn what to do because you've seen a good godly father and an influencer in your life. You can also learn what not to do and know how to correct that problem. 
just simply by how, you, how, how it happened to you and how you can change the trajectory of your life and your child's life. I would say it like this. The Bible says we've all sinned, so that means I'm not asking you to ignore the pain of your past, put on a happy face, pretend that nothing bothered you. But God says, listen, I want you to honor the position of parenting. This is a very important step, and I'm going to talk about this as an adult now in just a few moments. Let's look at it in Romans chapter 13, if you'll turn there, Romans chapter 13. Here it is as we practice positional honor, the honoring of the position of parenthood rather than just the personality of parenthood. Here it is. Romans 13, chapter 1, or chapter 13, verse 1, rather. For all authority, everybody say all authority. Oh, you didn't say that very loud. Let's say it again. All authority. (laughs) For all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And listen, they will be punished. This is a critical life lesson that every child has to learn is significantly submitting to authority. It determines how we're going to handle things at school, in our career, in our future relationships, How many understand a a child that grows up thinking it's just fine to say, nobody's going to tell me what to do, that's not good for their future. How many understand it's, it's hard to keep a mentality like that and still keep a job? How many understand it's hard to keep that kind of mentality and keep a marriage strong? Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Let me tell you something. I, I, I vividly remember and I, I carefully recall this story. But I've coached, uh, I had coached for years, going back to some of my earliest years in college all the way through into, uh, man, till I was in my 30s. And I coached all different sports. But I'll never forget coaching. He was one of the best, most, he had so much raw talent, this kid. And we were, I won't even tell you what sport it was. Uh, Well, yeah, I guess I I have to because it gives context. I I was coaching soccer, and this was one of the best players. He was an all-state player, uh, incredible, man, raw talent. Moved him up uh, as he he should have been in junior varsity, and we moved him up to varsity. Uh, He wanted to be in the Junior Olympics and uh, had a great trajectory that way. But this kid had such a hot head. And would get into so many fights. And if you know anything about soccer, there's a yellow card, which means you have to sit out for a little while, at least in high school. And then if you get a red card, which is a second type of warning, that's a second type of penalty, then you get kicked out of the game. Well, this kid had had a number of yellow cards throughout his time with us and some red cards that pulled him from the game. So imagine your superstar player getting pulled out every other time because of a hot head. Well, This particular time, I'd had enough as a coach, and so I was going to teach a life lesson, and he got a yellow card, which means he was only supposed to be out for a short time. I pulled him out, and I did not put him back in, and I could hear the anger from this kid fuming behind me. I could hear it, and he was so ticked off. He was so mad, but that's not what I was focused on. What I was focused on was across the other side of the field was his father. 
And his father was more upset, more angry than his son was behind me. So I could feel the sun fuming behind me and I could see the dad and his anger toward me for not putting his son back in the game. Afterward, I hadn't even gone through the line and shook the hands of all the other players from the other team before I could see this father walking across the field making a beeline in my direction. And man, I'm, I just have to tell you, uh, those of you that have been coaches and those of you that have been dads, you know uh, how upset parents can get over their kids. And he was walking up like he was about to punch me out. All right? So I'm just ready. I'm ready, but I was a pastor, <laughs> so I knew there was only going to be one dude taking a first punch, and it, <laughs> he was going to be throwing it, and I was going to have to dodge it if that's where it went. That's, that's how intense it, it, was, it was when he was walking toward me, and when he finally got to me, he had his cl clenched fists. He was so mad at me. He's like, I want to know why. And he's saying this in front of the whole team because afterward what happens after everybody shakes hands is that there's a coach and player meeting where we all get into a, a huddle to talk about the game. And he decides to walk across and do this in front of the entire team. So I can just tell, I gotta have, this is a moment. I want to know why you wouldn't put my son and you know he's the best player on your team. I said, well, listen, I want you to understand, your son has an anger problem. And what I'm trying to teach your son is, we have a momentary game that's going to come and go, but I'm trying to teach him how to be a godly, good man. Because one day, he's going to have to explain to his wife why he's lost his fourth and fifth job because he just got mad and put a huff and threw his anger out there. And then he's going to have to explain to you why he's losing his marriage because he can't keep his temper. And in that moment, you could see a shift in his face. You could see that there was a, an understanding that, yeah, it really is bigger than this game. I want you to understand, friends, there's a lot of things in life that really don't matter. In, as my mom always said, in the light of eternity, what does it really matter? The pigskin across that goal line or the basketball shot or the soccer goal or uh, the baseball swing, all of those things, hey, they're fine. And I know you put emphasis or maybe it's not, maybe your child isn't the athletic type. Maybe they're more inclined toward the drama and learning lines for their, their next theater play or whatever it is they're putting all their time and all their energy and all their effort toward. And of course, you want the best for your child. You want them to do well and all those things are great. But how much time are you investing in and those things that will last for eternity. How much are you investing into their spiritual lives? You say, well, that's why I send them to church. Well, let me tell you something. As much as I, I love Pastor Josh, Pastor Will, and those that teach your kids and your teenagers, can I just tell you, they got them for like 30 minutes every week. You got them for the rest of the time. And what you choose to prioritize in your life is modeling to them what is most important in life.
And if winning at all costs is the most important thing, if playing time is the most important thing, if all the sports or all the theater, all the extra hobbies and activities are always what's most important and you're not modeling for them the most important thing in the world, which is their spiritual life, then as a parent, you're missing the mark. Train up a child in the way he should go so when he's old, he will not depart from it. The whole point is you want to give them life lessons in this journey. So how do you do it? How do you do it? Let me give you a couple of answers to some questions that we received. One of the things is uh, parent and child interactions. Like there's issues of communication. Well, as I've said many times before, uh, human beings want to be both heard and understood. Every human, you, me, everyone. When we go through something, when we struggle through something, when we're upset about something, we want to be both heard and understood, those two things. Well, let me tell you what Michelle and I spent a lot of time doing with our children. We spent a lot of time teaching them to look up and speak up and articulate what they are saying. I listen. Now listen, I, I'm about to say some things that's going to date me. Okay? I hear some younger generation, let's say it like that, and I can't understand not one single word they're saying. I'm not talking about a, a song right, where there's music behind it. I'm talking about their actual communication. Now, I can tell you, in all honesty, for uh, Taylor, our oldest, uh, we probably overemphasized communication. We, we talked and talked and talked about teaching her how to speak publicly in front of others, look people in the eyes, speak directly to them, right, all of that. With Griffin... I would say it was definitely that way, but it was more about speaking up and articulation, right? Don't mumble your words. Clearly communicate what you're trying to say. With Cameron, I have to say, third child, okay, we slacked off a little bit at first because she had a lisp. How many of you remember Brady Bunch? Yeah, Cindy, think Cindy Brady. And it was the cutest lisp I've ever heard in my whole life, and we encouraged the lisp. It's the first time that we had ever, as parents, not intentionally caused that, that shift, and we encouraged that lisp as long as we could, and it was, really, it was really not good. I'm just saying, now looking back, it wasn't good, but I have to say, it really was the cutest thing, <laughs> but we had to work extra hard after that to then overcorrect and teach her how to articulate her words effectively. And some of us, we think of like speech ther therapy and things like that, which is always, that's good. But listen, I'm talking about just teaching your child how to properly communicate how they think and how they feel. How can they be heard and understood if they don't know how to articulate how they think and how they feel? And so I think that's really important. Another person asked me the question uh, through our text, asked, well, how do you, uh, when you have a child um, 
an older child move back in the house? How do you handle that? And, and I can tell you very clearly, uh, because we're in that process right now, and, and Griffin, I have to say, uh, I'm going to give him kudos for the way he's chosen to move back in the house in this temporary situation. Um, man, I can't say enough good about, <laughs> about what he, how he's done this. But it started, listen, when, we, when he was about 12 to 14 years of age. And I told him at 12, 13, 14 years of age, I said, one day, just so you know, one day, you'll likely either go off to college or a trade, trade school or whatever, but you'll come home for the summers. And during those summer months, I just want you to understand for those like three to four months, it's going to seem really weird because you're off to school or whatever, and you're pretty much living on your own, totally independent, doing what you want when you want to. And then all of a sudden you're going to be under restriction. But I just want you to know, get in your mind that I'm, I'm good with you becoming independent. Matter of fact, I want that. I want you to become independent. However, just understand, as long as you're under my roof, there's only one rooster in this hen house. <laughs> and it was a really good thing. 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, almost every year consecutively, I would have some kind of conversation to remind him that I'm always good with his independence and I want that. But there's going to be a moment where he's going to want to bow up because all young men do. They want to showcase their testosterone independence. And that's not a bad thing as long as it's directed properly, right? And so we taught early on. But I just have to say, one of the things that he did that I did not ask him to do, but I so appreciated that he did, was before he came, just showed up and came home, he said, Dad, would it be okay if I stay at, at your house? Would it be all right after graduation if I stay at your house for a short period of time and, and, and for certain goals? Because I have some specific goals I want to achieve, and I think you're in line with those goals as well, Dad. And so I just want to ask you, is that okay to pay off those school bills? And thank God he's paid off those school bills, every last one of them, because he worked all the way during college. I got to give it up. That was incredible. Incredible. But he also said, and I even asked him, if you saw me get up right before this, I got up and asked him a couple questions. And he, he even said, you can tell him this, Dad. Go in with a specific period of time that that's going to shift. So for example, in his case, it was a year. He said, Dad, I'd like a year to be able to do these things, this, that, and the other. And then after that, if you'd help me, we're, we're gonna, I want to start looking for a place to live. And we're going we're gonna to work out work out this thing, but I, I just want you to know, it's not indefinite. I got a plan, dad. <laughs> and it was so important. And so understanding that, yes, there is an independent side of, of being in a household with a, a young adult now who's, uh, is independent, but also there's a lot of things that he does that I didn't ask him to do, but he just does it like buying his own food. And making his own food and meal prepping and a whole bunch of other things that he does consistently to make sure that he's a great roommate in the house. Are you following what I'm saying? And that, I think, is an important measuring stick to maturity. All right, so that was some of those questions that were asked 
uh, and I want to just quickly move toward honoring the parents. So we, we talked about how kids honor their parents by obeying them. Ephesians 6.1, children obey your parents for this is the right thing to do. It doesn't say that the parents are always right. It just says it's the right thing to do because God has placed them in authority over you. And I, I mentioned last week as a teenager or as a young adult, we need to appreciate our parents best thing you can do as a teenager, as a young adult, is to appreciate them, to not devalue them. Look, the older you get, the more you see the flaws and the faults and the chinks in the armor, and you have to be ready to understand and still appreciate that they're going to make some mistakes along the way. Appreciating them does not mean approving of everything that they do. So how do you appreciate them? Well, you give them the honor of just listening to them when they're talking. Right? You don't have to do, listen, especially if you're a young adult living outside of your parents' home, you don't have to do everything that they say, but there is an honor in just asking. Matter of fact, you can disagree without being disagreeable. There's plenty of ways to disagree without being disagreeable, but asking for their advice is an honorable thing to do. Proverbs 23:22 says, listen to your father who gave you your life, man. Listen to your father who gave you life. Don't despise your mother. The Bible says you can also operate in forgiveness. You can operate in forgiveness. L listen, let me tell you a fact of life. <clears throat> if you live with somebody for any length of time, you're going to hurt them and they're going to hurt you. It's called human nature. We don't want to. We don't mean to. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. We're going to be hurt by those we love and we're going to hurt those we love. And we have to learn to forgive. It's so much easier to blame than to forgive. But you, know, you need to understand you are, you are holding yourself captive in a cage of unforgiveness. You think you're holding them hostage, but you're holding yourself hostage. Proverbs 20, 20 says it like this in living in this dark world that we're in. It says, if you curse your parents, your life will end like a lamp that goes out in the dark. So we're supposed to accept our parents by loving them, even when they have messed up. And by the way, for you uh, adult children, you're not your parents' savior. Let me just release you from being the CEO of the universe for a moment. You are not your parents' savior. You need to pray for your parents, but you're not the savior. They might look to you to be the savior, but that's too much pressure and weight. And that's not an appropriate parent-child relationship. So that at some points, you may have to pray for them instead of doing for them. If they have addictions, brokenness, self-worth issues, you can encourage them, you can appreciate them, and you can pray for them. And those of you that were mistreated terribly growing up, listen, does God expect you to honor the sins of your parents? No. To appreciate everything wrong that they did? No. No. But God gave you those parents for a purpose, and he can even take that hurt and bring some good out of it if you learn how to respond in the right way. Bitterness is self-destructive. Allowing bitterness in your spirit is self-destructive. So now we know as, an, as a young adult or as a child, let's talk about parents, adult children. 
Those of you in this room, you could be 80 years old and you've got a parent that's still living that's 100 years old. How in the world do you honor parents? And I know some parents uh, that are taking care of their elderly parents, right? They're, you may be a grandparent, you're still taking care of your elderly parent. But as an adult, we affirm our parents, our elderly parents in particular. Listen, as parents get older, they become less valued in society. And I'm not saying this is right, this is wrong. They, become, they feel less and less valued for their skill, for their wisdom. The job market throws them out to get somebody younger in there that they can pay less money toward. They, the jobs don't typically um, encourage the kind of loyalty and respect the kind of loyalty that they used to. And so the only people left on planet earth that are supposed to honor and acknowledge those elderly parents is you. And the way you love them and support them and encourage them and affirm them. Matter of fact, the older they get, the more desperate the need is to make some kind of positive contribution, to leave some lasting legacy, to pass something down. Job 12, 12 says it like this, wisdom belongs to the aged and understanding to the old. Just because they didn't grow up with Google and Instagram and Facebook does not mean they're dummies. Let me tell you something, they may not know how to deal with technology, but they know a whole lot about dealing with life circumstances a lot better than those of you who haven't been there yet. And all the grandparents said, amen. <laughs> they got wisdom. How do you affirm your parents? How about just staying in touch with them? Right, with a letter or a card if, if you're further away, a phone call. Listen, you're honoring your parents by valuing them, by affirming them. The Bible says we're to treasure and highly esteem those that are a little bit older. As a matter of fact, if you're a little bit um, younger in the room and your parents are away from you out of this city and they don't come to visit like every, you know, every two, three, four weeks, I encourage you to teach them how to use FaceTime. FaceTime your parents and especially if your child does something good, if they come home with an A on the report card, if they just won a game, the first FaceTime you can do is to pull up grandma and grandpa. Go, hey, guys, I just wanted to let you know this is your grandbaby. This is what they just did. And now, even though they can't be there physically to celebrate, they can still celebrate. They can feel appreciated and affirmed. Proverbs 3, 27 does, says, do not withhold good from those who deserve it when, is, when it is in your power to act. We got to affirm our parents and listen, don't wait until it's too late. You don't know how long your parents are going to live on the earth. I can't tell you how many grown adults that are grandparents themselves and go to the graveside of their, their parents and have to talk to a grave instead of talking to the person because they didn't get things right when they were alive. I encourage you, try your best to make things right with your aging parents as best you can. As far as it be with you, be at peace with all human beings, all, all mankind. Do your very best. I understand there's some parents that are unpleasable, and I really do get that. But if you can't 
deal with it with your own parent, then talk to a friend or a, a Christian counselor about it and get things straight because you need to have forgiveness in your spirit. It's the power of honor. Listen to their counsel. Do you know Moses did this with his father-in-law Jethro. Ruth did this with her mother-in-law Naomi. The Bible says the way we treat elderly parents is a demonstration of our true faith in Christ. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says it like this. Anyone who won't care for his own relatives when, they're, when they need help, especially his own family, and specifically, he's talking about parents here contextually, has no right, everybody say no right, to say he's a Christian. Such a person is worth, worse than the heathen. It's a shameful tragedy when we become such busy families abandoning our elderly parents in their time of need. The Bible teaches us when we're parents or grandparents and, and they become, our, our aging parents become too old to care for themselves. Friends, can I just tell you, it's not the government's responsibility to take care of your aging parents. The word of God says something different. 1 Timothy 5, 4 says, they should put their religion into practice by caring for their own family and so repaying their parents and grandparents for this is pleasing to God. It's, it's called role reversal. Rever, reversal. Say that 10 times fast. Let me get my lips ready. Role reversal. <laughs> They cared for you. They watched over you. They bathed you. They put a diaper on you when you were a baby. And now the roles are reversed. And you got to care for them and bathe them and put a diaper on them. Because God says it's pleasing when you care for them. That's part of being a Christian. If you need to change the oil in your elderly parent's car, just watching out for them. If you need to take them into your home or get a care nurse or whatever, it's godly to care for our aging parents. How many of you know Jesus even proved this? Listen, when Jesus was dying on the cross for the sins of all humankind, one of the seven things that he stopped and said is he looked at his best friend, John, and he said, look, John, I mean, he's dying for the sins of the world. And he stops everything and goes, hey, John, I just want to let you know, take care of my mom for me. He's dying for the sins of the world. Nailed to a cross. And he's thinking about mama. Isn't that a sweet thought? That's very sweet. God cares for your aging parents and so should you. And a word to you parents that are younger in the room. You, you need to learn that if you want to be honored, you've got to be honorable. Ephesians 6, 4 says, here it is, a word to the parents. Don't keep on scolding and nagging your children, making them angry and resentful. Rather, bring them up with loving discipline. Everybody say loving discipline. It's easy for parents to get both embarrassed and angry when your child starts to act up. It's very easy to go off of that emotion. But that's not the best emotion to bring discipline because discipline is all about change. It's a trajectory of a change of behavior. And if the worship team would come as we prepare to close out, 
What you're doing is you're, you're showcasing that when somebody does the wrong thing, you scream and holler. How many of you know that's not what you teach your child? Because when they get older and they, get, they see something that frustrates them, now they're going to spout off and yell and get angry as well. That's not God's way at all. What it says in the scriptures in this one scripture in Ephesians 6, 4 with loving discipline is this. You want to break their will, not their spirit. Out of all of our children, I've had to ask Griffin the most times about this one thing. Son, just let me know. And I'll say it one more time in front of everybody. If there's ever a time that you can think of that comes into your mind where I was too harsh with you, I went overboard, I got loud, I got too in your face, and it, and it's, it broke something in your spirit and you still carry it, please come talk to me. It'll save you so much money on counseling bills. Just come to me. And I'll try not to justify I may tell you all the craziness that was going on at that time in my life. I might let you in on that little secret, but, but it's important to come back to your kids and say, hey, anything that you could remember, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's be honest about it. Let's be real. Because we do want to break their will at that moment from doing wrong. Bad behavior should be corrected. That's healthy. You don't want your kid to grow up to be a sociopath. No empathy, no feeling of others' feelings. That's what a sociopath is. You want to train your child up that bad behavior has consequences. That's healthy. But the most important thing you can do is model for your kids the love of Christ Jesus. And how did Christ love you? Perfectly. Amid all your faults and failings and frailty and sins, he loves you with an everlasting love. Matter of fact, he didn't come to you and say, you got to clean up all your mess before I love you. You know what he did? He said, I'm coming to you right now. You don't have to worry about cleaning up your mess. I will take care of your sin. I'll wash it away. I'm so thankful that our kids have made a decision willfully to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want to speak very clearly to those parents in the room that your children are wayward. And we as a, as a church are praying for them and for you. And I want you to know that those little prayer cards that we have setting out front, write your kids' names down on that list, even if they're not in this city. We pray for those kids to come back to Jesus. But some parents in the room, you carry a lot of guilt because you know you didn't parent well or maybe you were, uh, had addictions or things going on at that time and you really struggled. And so at this moment in time, it's kind of hard for you because you're like, it's probably my fault that they're not serving Christ. And I want you to understand this. I have watched parents, some of the best parents I've ever seen, and they have five kids and four of them are serving God and productive in some kind of ministry outlet and they're, they're loving Jesus and loving others and all of these great things and the fifth one is just wayward. That, that's because once they get to a certain age, it's on them. Matter of fact, I know of somebody right now that's a dear friend of mine 
I got a man, five or six of them now hitting my brain as I say this, that were absolutely in the worst possible parenting situations ever. A, a dear friend of mine that literally grew up with his mother being a prostitute and men coming in and out all, all day long. My, one of my relatives, literally, uh, it was a horrible situation and they were adopted out of a horrible, tragic situation, but they were literally kept in a cage eating dog food. And now, this day, they're serving God. They are a productive member of society. Can I just tell you, God has a way of even redeeming. But for those of you parents that right now, you just feel the weight of guilt and shame because you think your child is the way that they are all because of you. Let me tell you something. They made some willful choices too. And on top of that, God can redeem and restore what the locusts ate up. All the negative things. Matter of fact, one of the prayers that we prayed over our kids, and I prayed it almost every day, especially when I brought them to school. Lord, help them to remember every positive word and forget every negative word they hear. Lord, help them to forget every negative word, remember every positive word. But for you parents, let me just give you a, a, a quick analogy. God the Father was the perfect parent, and the Garden of Eden was the perfect place. And he had two kids, and those kids turned away. Perfect dad, perfect environment, two kids making a willful choice to walk away. Jesus, while he was on the earth, you look at these disciples, and some people believe that they were these old, balding men with a, a stick and no teeth. And they're, oh, I love Jesus. You know, I'm following him. Now, these were literal teenagers, 14, 15, 16-year-old kids. And Jesus, the rabbi, was a father figure to these teenage boys. And how many of you know dads in the room raising teenage boys can be tough? And he was teaching them all kinds of life lessons. And when the, when the difficult time came and the trial came, all of a sudden, pew, one acts like he doesn't even know Jesus. The other one, 30 pieces of silver was all it took to give up Jesus. Jesus was a father figure, the perfect father figure. And 12 teenage boys ran their own way. So listen. God just put somebody, something in my heart, someone in this room, and I don't know who you are. I don't know your situation. But there's a real void in your life because of the parents that you grew up with. And, and the Lord, his heart breaks for you, and he didn't, he didn't intentionally put you in an abusive situation. That's not God's will. That was a decision that your parents made because of the sins of this world, and they chose this, and it's wrong. God never, ever wanted that for you. But let me just tell you this. As broken as you are, let me tell you, earthly families, the Bible says, you won't be married or given in marriage up in heaven. That means the only family that's really left on the earth, or at least in heaven, is your spiritual family. 
So right now in this room, there are spiritual adoptive parents that are waiting to love you and care for you and accept you and help you to grow in the faith. There are elders and deacons and pastors in this church, leaders in this church, even somebody on your row that if they knew you didn't have a mom or a dad that did the right thing, they can come alongside you and they know how to pray for you. They know how to encourage you. They know how to teach you the word of God. Frank, can I just tell you, around you is a supportive family family that's waiting to love you and encourage you. That hand clap is for you. They're just telling you, I'm with you. You're not alone. Matter of fact, here's what the Bible says about that. Here it is, Psalm 27:10. God says you're a special person when you're neglected by your own family. It says, Psalm 27:10, my father and mother may abandon me, but the Lord will take care of me. God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of you. God's going to take care of your kiddos. God's going to take care of your grandbabies. I promise you, God's got this. And the best thing you can do is give your whole self over to the Lord and say, God, have your way in me. Can we pray together, Lord Jesus, in this room, for those parents that have wayward children and it's breaking their hearts. God, I pray in Jesus' name, would you wrap your loving arms around them and let them know you're right beside them, you care for them. That God, as your, Lord, as a parent's heart breaks, God, the Father's heart breaks too. And Lord, I just pray for those wayward children that don't know the Lord or are lost in their sin. Lord, I pray you draw them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Lord, I just speak over them now. Lord, we prophesy that those kids are coming back home spiritually in Jesus' name. God, we call them in. Open their eyes. Take the blinders off those eyes that they might see the loving hand of God. And give those parents the right words and the right kind of love and to know when to speak and to be, when to be quiet. Lord, I pray for children who've grown up in abusive situations at the hands of their own parents. And God, I pray you'd bring healing in this house right now in Jesus' name. As though I'm laying my hand on the head of each person, each child that's been wounded, each adult child that's been broken and marred by the sin of their parents. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, release them right now from bitterness. Release them from that pain right now. God, I pray you would once again reveal to them who they are. Give them their identity in Christ. Show them their value. Show them their worth. Show them how much you love them and how you were beside them even in their darkest days. And now I pray healing in Jesus' name. And Lord, I also pray for parent-child relationships. Whether they're grown or young, I pray, Lord, would you pour out your spirit on families? Would you restore what's been lost and broken? And God, I pray, bring your healing hand and delivering hand in this house. If you just keep your heads bowed and eyes closed for another moment, there may be some in this room you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life and heal some hidden hurts. Maybe you'd say, Mark, I, I, I've got some sins of my own that I need to receive forgiveness. 
Maybe it's in your own parenting. Maybe it was uh, between you and your spouse. Maybe it's just a hidden sin. But whatever it is, God can bring freedom and forgiveness right now in Jesus' name. Or if you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to be Lord of every area of my life. Look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm here to pray over you and invite you into this moment. So if that's you in any of those categories, you say, Mark, that's me. I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. Acknowledging by the raised hand, Mark, that's me. Include me in the prayer right now. Come on, all over this house. Just raise your hand. Yeah, that's you. God bless you. Yeah, you want to be included in this prayer right now. God bless you. God bless you. About eight or nine so far, 10, 11. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else in the balcony on the main floor just looking across? Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. I want us to pray together, all of us in this room and those watching online. Can you pray this out loud with me? Everybody in the room, you can say this. You can put your hands down, but say this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up, put your hands together, and celebrate all over this house for those who made a decision for Christ? And then let's worship the King together. You're my keeper, my provider, my protector. You surround me, you're in every step I take. You're the goodness, you're the constant, you're my first love and my future. so honored to meet you after this service. I'm going to release some of our pastors and some of our greeters to head out toward the back doors and just out the doors and to your left, right before you walk out of the building, you'll just see a sign that says guest reception. We want to take just a few seconds of your time and give you a gift for hanging out with us today. And I want to release you with this blessing. 
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord our God write his name on your heart and declare you're my child. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And may you give that love away to as many people as humanly possible. I bless you to be a blessing to your family, to your household, to your spouse, to your kids, to your grandkids. I bless you to be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, God bless you. We love you. Have a Jesus-filled week. We'll see you either next Wednesday or next Sunday. God bless you. You're dismissed.